There are so many setbacks in life designed to take you down, to knock you out, to beat you into submission. They seem bigger than you, stronger than you, and smarter than you. Defeat is easy because all you have to do is call out its name, turn around, and go home. The moment, though, you begin to see your setbacks for what they really are and who you really are is the moment that something great will begin to awaken inside of you. Realize that you were put on this earth for a reason. You were designed with a purpose, so there must be a way to beat them. Look closer and you'll see that the very setbacks designed to take you out have a huge flaw. The greatest weakness is that all their strength can easily overcome one person. So if you battle by yourself, church, listen, you will lose every time. But when you realize you're not alone, when you get up, when you look them right in the eyes and you begin your assault, battle ready, if you will. Before long, you become your setback's greatest adversary, forcing it to submit to a heavenly authority, easily overcome and easily defeated. You took that setback, you put it under your feet, and you used it as a step up towards fulfilling your calling and God's purpose in your life. Now you're at your greatest because God is great in you. Don't feed the lies of the setback in your path because your setbacks can become God's divine setups for a miraculous comeback. Praise the Lord. Amen. So glad you are here today. I love the excitement and the energy in the room. I can only imagine it's the same way at all of the campuses. I want to welcome the fine folks in Garner, North Carolina, Columbia, South Carolina, Kenya. By the way, my wife and the Hope Missions team just boarded a plane in Paris coming back from Kenya. They've had an amazing week with Hope Missions there this week, getting our second campus ready to launch. It is going great. Come on, celebrate. The Lord, two campuses in Kenya, North Durham, they've moved to the Hilton again today because the school system shut down, North Raleigh, Coffee House upstairs, the online campus, which I've been calling New Hope Airware. <laughs> I, I want to get a campus pastor for New Hope Airware, and we're going to do it. Uh, talking about the Hillsboro campus, Sanford campus, and last but not least, the Durham campus. We are one church, come on now. Many locations. Welcome them all. Welcome them all. Hey, no time to play today. Let's pray and get right into it. Father, um, thank you for comebacks. I don't know where we would be without them, Father God. Thank you for what you are doing in this series. A lot like Battle Ready, Lord. We, we, we don't want to wrap this one up, but we need to. So, Father, I pray that on this final installment of this series that you would take our minds, you would think through them, you would take our hearts, Father God, you would fill with them. Oh, Lord Jesus, would you take my lips and speak through them today? For if you do not speak, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. We pray this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords, and the new hope people of God said together... Amen, amen, amen. Take out your teaching notes, grab that pen in front of you, and jot some notes down with me. So by way of review, by way of review, the very first week, which was only like two weeks ago, 
We talked about the power of praise. If you want to come back in your life, and the truth is it's a universal condition. We all get knocked down from time to time. Life is hard. Life is both brutal and life is beautiful. And when it is brutal, we get set back. How you handle your setbacks in life will determine where you go in life. And I talked about the fact that setbacks are divine set-ups. Come on now for God's comeback. And once you learn that, it's a game changer. But I talked about on top of the mountain or in the valley, we're going to praise God. Comebacks start when we realize God is praiseworthy regardless of our existential circumstances. Can I get an amen? amen? Then we talked about the power of what? Grit. My favorite word without exception. My favorite word in the English vocabulary is the word grit. If you missed last week, you can pick it up in the resource centers. You can get the whole uh, series packet next week in the resource centers. The power of grit. And you will recall that I defined grit for you as long-standing tenacity and perseverance over a long haul. That's what grit is. Anybody can be gritty for a day. The question is, can you be gritty when the going gets tough and the tough stays with you? We're talking about that today. Thirdly, I want to talk to you about the power of vision. This is the final installment today. The power of what, church? The power of vision. Now, when I talk about vision, some of you will immediately start to think I'm talking about the vision for the church, right? Or, you know, um, the vision for your life. And that's next week. Don't miss next week. Vision Day It's going to be awesome at all the campuses. Do not miss it. But what I'm talking about today is a different kind of vision. I'm talking about God's vision for your life in the midst of the hard times. In the midst of when life is just difficult. And when it is difficult, here is our tendency. We tend to look at other people and we tend to expect God to give us a comeback like we see unfolding in their lives. In other words, we want a blueprint And what I wanted to let you know today on this final installment is God does not work with a blueprint plan. God does not give us a cookie cutter plan whereby your your path to a comeback is the same as my path. And my path is the same as yours. No, no, no. God does not work like that. Why? Because God, you need to write this down, God is not into a blueprint. God is into a relationship. He is into a relationship. And the very first thing I want to say today, read this out loud with me on the count of three at all of our campus locations. Ready? One, two, three, go. We have the ability to have a personal relationship with Almighty God. And you're like, yeah, I know that. Of course we would say that. No, 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 no. Can I just stop for a moment? In the church world, we have a tendency to read over that kind of stuff and just kind of like keep moving. And if you go to church for a long period of time, before long, you'll just pass right by it and not even really marinate in it. You and I have the ability to have a personal relationship with Almighty God. That is stunning. It is mind-boggling when you just push Paul's time out and you just think about it for a moment. God's not into blueprints. God's into a relationship with you because God loves you. Deeply loves you. 
loves you personally. I put it like this. God does not want us to lean into blueprints, but rather into a relationship. And when times are good, that's easy to fathom and easy to understand. When times are hard, sometimes it's difficult to understand that God is into relationship. And because God is into the relationship, sometimes God leads us through paths that we don't desire to go. I want to go ahead and let you know today, today is going to be full of real talk. It's not very sexy what I'm going to talk to you about today. It's not very shiny. This is not, you know, the, the, the five-color brochure. This is the reality of life. And I want to talk to you about the fact that there are times in your life when you deeply desire a comeback, and God does not give you the comeback that you want, at least on your timetable. Have you ever noticed that sometimes we want God to take us places faster than God wants to take us? I mean, I don't know about you, but I can't stand to wait. I, 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 like, I can't stand to be on the road and not know where I'm going and when I'm going to get there. I am the guy who, if my GPS is not working, I will stop and ask for directions. I've got to know when and I want to know how fast. And God, though, often doesn't work like that. And let me just keep it real for a moment. I don't like that. And all we got to do is look at the biblical narrative to actually see this. Open up your Bibles to Exodus 13. Exodus 13. You recall from your, your Bible knowledge, if you know it, if you don't, we're so glad you're here. This is a story in the Old Testament where God is leading God's people. God is leading them from bondage under Pharaoh to freedom. Now, I want you to notice this scripture. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did, God what? God did, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. Like, I want the shorter path. I want the quicker path, right? But God did not lead them that way. Check this out. For God said if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for, <laughs> I just realized that's battle ready. <laughs> they went up ready for battle. Don't miss this. For their best, for their relationship with God, God did not lead them through the short and easy route. Instead, God led his people into the wilderness. Why? Because sometimes God is less interested in handling the details and giving us a blueprint plan. He's less interested in making your life easier, and he's far more interested in cultivating a relationship of dependence. Now, again, this is not sexy. This, this is not going to get you to go, woohoo, bring it on. But this is reality. This is how God works. Listen in. Often we see the dilemma in our lives and we quickly assess the situation and then we quickly decide what the solution will be and then we quickly give God the solution that we want God to give us. And God often says, I'm not the way I'm going to work this time. 
So what I'm here to talk to you about today is the reality that there will be times in your life where you will hunker down and you will decide, I'm going to embrace praise. That was week one, remember? I'm going to praise God even though life stinks right now. There will be times when you say you're going to do it and you do it. And then there will be times when you decide, I'm going to be a gritty person. I'm going to develop grit week two. And you're going to praise God and you're going to be gritty. And yet there will be times when your God does not give you the comeback you want according to your timetable. And the question then becomes, what you going to do with that? Been there, done that. I've already shared a few weeks ago how comeback was my word. And there were things I was praying about and hoping for and dreaming for. And some of the things God delivered, other things God has not delivered to this day. According to Benji's timetable. What do you do with that? Take notes. Here's what you do with that. Here's how you apply this. One, trust in the Lord and do good. Did you hear me? Trust in the Lord and do what? Trust in the Lord and do good. When we start to head towards a comeback and we think we need to have our destination figured out and then we figure out God's not going to give it to us when we want to get it. You have options. The way you stay on the road to a comeback is you just trust in the Lord and you do good. And you understand, oh my Lord, don't miss this. God is quite often in the waiting. Oh my Lord. God is quite often in the waiting. And if you're anything like me, you don't like the waiting. You've heard me talk about the DMV. Go like kill me. I'd rather I'd rather watch the grass grow or, or cut my wrist with a spoon than go to the Department of Motor Vehicle. And when we're in the waiting, we're looking toward the comeback and we keep looking toward the future. And what we often do when we keep looking toward the future is we miss the fact that God is in the waiting. And God often wants to teach me something in the waiting before He moves me on to the next step. Abram. Before Abram became Abraham, you probably know that story as well. Genesis chapter 12, look at this, look, 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 look. Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land, read this last sentence with me at all of our campuses with, to the land what? will show you. I will what? So God says to Abram, you go and I'll show you. <laughs> Notice God doesn't say, go to the land I have shown you. He says, go, and I will show you along the way. Oh, don't miss this. Obedience in the unknown leads to comeback opportunities in the future. You just have to trust God, do good, be obedient when his timeline doesn't match your timeline. And that is what brings comeback opportunities according to God's timetable 
and not yours. Here's the second thing. Dwell in the land between and remain faithful. Now, some of you are are keen listeners and you remember a lot. Some of you remember this sermon that I did a month or so ago, maybe six weeks, eight weeks ago now, and I had a boat on the stage. And it was, what do you do in the meantime? This is meantime stuff that I'm talking about today. What do you do in the meantime? What do you do in that land between that I talked about, remember? What do you do? You dwell in the land between. In other words, you learn to befriend the land between. This is hard, church. Oh, my Lord, this is hard. I want to get out of that land. I want to get out of that situation. And God has taught me that I need to learn to dwell in it. Because if he wants me there, he's got something there for me. If he, if he wants me there and he keeps me there, he's in the waiting. I need to embrace that land between, but make sure I remain faithful. Oh. Abram again. Look, look, look at what the Bible says. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse you. And all people on earth will be blessed through you. What if God spoke that message to you? I will bless you. I will bless you wherever you go. You will be a blessing. I will curse those who curse you. And I will bless those who bless you. What would you do if God said that to you? And most of you are like, oh, time out, man. I'm just trying to pay the bills. I'm just trying to get my kids to school. I'm just trying to get to classes myself. What I would say to you today is God wants to bless you in powerful ways. Get off the myoptic vision of your life and looking at the things of this world. And I know they're important, but lift your eyes higher to see that ours is a God who wants to bless you. Thirdly, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Out loud, ready? This is the verse, remember? Do you remember this? Psalm 37, 4. We read this on week one, and I wanted to kind of wrap up there. Go. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. When you are in the meantime, and God's timeline is not meeting up to yours, continue to delight yourself in the Lord. Fully give your life to him. Fully realize he wants to bless you. In a way, commensurate with the way he blessed Abraham. He wants you to be a blessing. He will have your back. He might curse those who curse you. Glory to God. (laughs) But delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you what? The desires of your heart. What are we talking about today? Before I give you a surprise today. What are we talking about? We're talking about one's unwillingness to quit when the going gets tough. We're talking about one's willingness to praise God 
to delight ourselves in God, to remain faithful even when the going gets tough and the toughness stays around. And that's where many of you are right now. And you need to always remember this. Comebacks are reserved for those who refuse to quit. Yeah, absolutely. Comebacks are reserved for those who refuse to quit. And last week, I know I, you know, that's about every week, actually. I go home and I say, did, did I actually say that? I don't know if I said it in this celebration or the one the campus has got, but I talked about the wussification of America. I did. So if you missed it, sorry. There you go. I said it again. We are becoming a nation of quitters. And comebacks never come to quitters. And you have people quitting on so many things today. People quit on marriage when it gets tough. People quit on parenting when it gets tough. People quit on church when it gets tough. When the pastor says things like, what's a vacation? They quit church. <laughs> and I want to say to you, don't be a quitter. People quit at jobs when they get tough. People step into jobs today, they might be 24 years old and they expect a six-figure salary and two-hour lunch breaks and, you know, you know, 54 days of vacation. What's happening to us? And it happens in ministry as well. And ministry's tough. And quitting comes a dime a dozen. And if you're a quitter, I just want to warn you, prophetically, you'll never get what God has for you in life. You'll never reach the point that God wants to take. You'll never live out your God-given destiny if you are a quitter. So I stopped by today on this final installment to say to you, whatever you do, don't quit. God's in the waiting. Stay in the game. Learn to fight. Learn to be gritty. But don't you dare quit. I'm speaking to somebody today. Don't quit. You're about to throw in the towel. Don't do it. Most of you know, I've all, you know I, yeah, all of you know, actually, I'm going on a Martin Luther King tour, bus tour. You're all invited to come. One of the things I loved about King is he wouldn't quit. He knew as he moved toward Memphis, he knew, he even spoke about the fact that his life was probably about to come to an end. And one of my favorite quotes by King was this. Oh, my Lord. If you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, you have to keep moving forward. Don't let Satan take you out of the game. You will see quitters every mile marker along the way. And you will be tempted to quit. 
Oh, God, I've been tempted to quit. Don't quit. And today, I got a treat for you. Today, I want to bring up a person who has become a dear friend of mine, who is the embodiment of what I've been talking about the last three weeks. Not just today, but the last three weeks. In fact, Amy Lynn and I have pretty much adopted he and his lovely wife, and they know this. We've talked about this. They're like, they're like ours. They feel like ours. They know that we're there for them at any point in time, whatever they need. I got the unbelievable privilege of marrying them. They've been a faithful part of this church until they moved away recently, but they're kind of back in the area a little bit now. But I'm talking about the quarterback of Duke University, Thomas Sirk. And uh, I want you to hear his story today. Because sometimes you need to hear a, a, an illustration, an embodiment, a, a flesh and blood story of what I'm up here trying to teach. So I want you to just check out a highlight reel of Thomas Sirk playing quarterback. He is an unbelievable athlete, but more importantly than that, he's an unbelievable man. But he has been experiencing setback after setback after setback. And I've never seen a young person embody the comeback spirit like this man of God has. After this video, I want you to do what you do. Give him a warm, warm New Hope welcome. So how does a guy who was the 50th ranked pro-style QB in his high school recruiting class become one of the best dual-threat QBs in the nation? Well, remember, we're talking about David Cutcliffe, the QB whisperer. He has an eye for quarterbacks, these days, Cutcliffe has to keep an eye on Cirque's left Achilles. When Cirque is back to being 100%, he could help Duke navigate its 2016 treasure map. And the X that marks the spot is Duke at Charlotte for the ACC title game. Welcome, my brother, to the stage, if you would. Give him some love. Welcome, man. Really, really glad you're here. So I've been talking, the premise behind this series, again, is that setbacks in life happen. For the people of God, they learn to look at them differently. They learn to look at setbacks as divine set-ups for God's comeback. And as I just said, you've been the embodiment of that for me to watch and I think this whole area to watch. Um, would you just share with us the setbacks that you've experienced? Because I know it, and some people know it, but the majority of the people don't know what you've been through since you came to Duke in 2012. So I started, I early enrolled into Duke um, spring of 2012. Um, and that first year is a redshirt year for me, so it's basically, basically a year of development, a year for you to grow as a player. Because when you come to college football, you think you're going to start automatically. And then you're in for a rude awakening to see that you're not ready out of high school. And so moving into 2013, you know, was my year. It was my year to compete for the starting job. Uh, I felt like at that point I had grown as a quarterback. I had, you know, taught myself at that point that I'm ready to go in there. I'm ready to be the starter. And so, at this point in time, way back then, 2012, coming to do, did you have a vision and a dream to one day maybe reach the NFL? Yeah, so when I came into Duke under the head coach, David Cutcliffe. If many of you don't know him, he's coached great quarterbacks, uh, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning. So he's got the tutelage of quarterbacks. And for me, that was my next step was to go into the NFL. So going into spring ball, I was competing with a quarterback, and I was projected to win the starting job that spring. And three days before the spring game, I suffered something 
immeasurable for me that I've never even experienced. I tore my Achilles. I tore my right Achilles, and I was unable to compete. I was unable to run, and I had to miss the entire 2013 season. And for me, I'd never missed a season of football in my life, and now this is two years back-to-back. -back. And by the way, some of you might think, well, here goes another guy who's just got a pipe dream of playing in the NFL. And, that, and most, most kids, like, <laughs> I tell my kids sometimes, I try not to hamper their dreams, but it, it's kind of rare. Like, you, you got Kelly jeans, bro. You're probably not going to end up in the NFL. Um, <laughs> but this brother, uh, and he wouldn't tell you this because he's humble. Um, you were ranked what? Uh, in all quarterbacks in collegiate football, you were ranked what? I was ranked 19th. He was ranked number 19 in all. I mean, he had a legitimate shot and still does. We're going to talk about that. But he's going to tell you about some awards maybe that will let you. This guy, he, was, he saw the vision and the dream, and God had gifted him to go after it. So you tore your Achilles. I thought about showing them a picture, but I didn't want anybody to get sick in here today. I've seen a picture of this Achilles it was unbelievably torn, but it doesn't get any better. This is that timeline that I was talking to you about. Keep, keep going. So 2014, I had overcome the injury. 2013 was a year for me. I, honestly, I faced a little bit of depression. I didn't know how to handle anything. I didn't have people giving me the answers of how you're supposed to deal with something like this. I mean, it was the biggest trauma that I faced in my life up to this point. So 2014 rolls around, and I'm back healthy again, but I was still nervous, you know, in the back of my mind that I could be injured again. And once that injury occurred, 2014, I didn't get, win the starting job. So for me, I was like, I'm going to come back. I'm going to win the starting job. So 2014 is a year I didn't win the starting job. I wasn't, to me, I wasn't back healthy as I could be and was before. And so I played limited roles. 2015, my moment had finally arrived. And, you know, when all seems going well, God's answering yes to everything. He's answering yes to everything in your life. And 2015 rolls around, and I'm the starting quarterback, and I have a great year. Unbelievable year. Duke won his first um, bowl game in 61 years in the Pinstripe Bowl in New York City. You, you led it. So you were playing quarterback, yeah. and Duke won its first bowl in 61 years. There is a God in heaven. Duke won a football bowl game. Now they're strong, and they're winning bowl games. They won another one this year. But Thomas, the first one in 61 years, led them. Who did, who did we beat that year? Indiana. Oh, the Pagans from Indiana. Oh, yeah, the Hoosiers. The Hoosiers. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so you, you got the starting position and you're winning a bowl. Life is good. Yes. You think your comeback has arrived. Wow. So, so God's answering yes to everything in my life and everything's going great. And I'm going into the offseason in 2016 as one of the top quarterbacks in the country. And, you know, I, going into it, I'm training. Everything's going great. Uh, 2016, February rolls around and I tear my left Achilles. So I've suffered two, one on each side now, which is very common. They say if you injure one, it's likely that you injure your second one. And at this point, I'm up for the Davey O'Brien Award, which is the top quarterback in the country, the Maxwell Award, top quarterback in the country. Everything's going great. And so my personal goal from that February to that August was six months. I'm going to do something. I'm going to do the impossible. I'm going to come back. Uh, get in the fall camp 2016 right before my senior year. I'm with all my guys. I'm like, I'm going to finish with my guys. The guys mm -hmm. that I came in with, mm -hmm. my roommate, uh, three weeks into camp, I tore my left Achilles again. So three tears of his Achilles. You see why I wanted him up here today? This is the stuff of life people don't talk about. I'll put it this way. This is the stuff of life that Many churches or pastors don't talk about. We, we try to just 
make everything glossy and shiny and sexy and appealing when in reality sometimes life is brutal. What do you do when you get setback after setback after setback? Talk to us of where, where you went from there and talk to us about how praise in worship for you and Danielle is married to a, just a godly, unbelievable uh, woman where praise came in and where grit came in and, and what happened then. So you're still at Duke, third tear, keep going. So going into 2016, I had plans football-wise to be, you know, top quarterback in the country, lead Duke to an ACC championship. That Glory was my goal. That was my goal. <laughs> and, and earlier you were talking about the season of waiting. And for me, it was a season of waiting. I didn't know if I'd ever play football again. But in that season of waiting, the greatest thing happened. I got engaged to my beautiful wife, Danielle. Um, <laughs> so when I say God is in the waiting, it, took, it went to a whole nother level for you, right? Exactly. You met your wife, okay? Uh, I actually started and completed my master's degree at Duke, so I got my undergrad and master's degree. Mm. And it's, you're at that moment in life, and November comes, I'm still walking in a boot, and I applied for a six-year of eligibility. And at that point, I didn't know. You know, three Achilles, there's no way I can play football again. I can't even run. I can barely walk at this point. And, you know, God had been saying yes to so many things, and I was now faced with the question, what do you do when God says no? Wow. What type of faith will you have when God says no in your life? And did y'all hear that? I'm talking about sometimes his timetable doesn't match up with ours. So sometimes we have to be patient. He's in the waiting. And sometimes we eventually get our breakthrough. But sometimes God says no. What do you do with that? Here's what you do. You keep praising. It's week one. You talked about you keep <laughs> praising God. I mean, you talked about on the mountaintop or in the valley, you continue to praise God. You give him the glory for where you're at. I mean, at that point, I, I was engaged. Yeah. Yeah, um, awesome. I got another year to play football, and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to get to do it. And so I just kept praising God. At this point, I had matured enough from the first injury, which I didn't handle very well. I matured enough that I kept praising God. I kept, at that point, you realize that it's more than about yourself. Mm -hmm. You're doing it for the people around you. And people sometimes had the nerve to ask me, would you go back and change it? And I say no, because you look at the people that I've inspired around me. Oh. People came to know Christ because of me wow. during that injury. Come on now. I got to ask this question because, you know, here we at New Hope, and this is one of the things you, you've said you love about this place. We, we, we go there. We keep it real. Did you, ever, did you ever question God in the midst of this? Did you ever, like, question whether he, he was there with you? Or? Yeah, for sure. I think it's natural instinct to say, why is this happening to me? And to honestly start feeling sorry for yourself because something you've worked, you know, five o'clock in the mornings on a Saturday in the off season, you're working for something that you think's your dream, and you start. But, but to the question why is different than the question God. Yeah. So, did you ever question God, or were you you just you didn't you didn't ever? No, go I didn't there. question God. I think at this point I was matured enough to to be faithful, and I knew that God was going to continue to lead me, and He's going to mm -hmm. continue to progress in my life for me. Mm -hmm. And if I remain faithful to Him, no matter what His plan is going to prevail, and I'd stop living according to my own will, but according to His. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So, so tell us where you are now. What's, what's happening with your life? So, you, um, so when he came back the final time, Coach Cutcliffe and Duke, and we got a Duke coach that goes here, and y'all know I speak to the football team a couple times a year. Uh, coach Cutcliffe and the team made a hard decision. After three Achilles injuries, 
they let Thomas know that, bro, we, we got to go with this. I think he was a freshman at that point in time. We got to go with this fresh, freshman. I mean, that's the reality of sports. And so um, Thomas made a choice to transfer. Tell us where you transferred because some of these people at the campuses went to this party animal school. Um, <laughs> you know it's true. Wait till, wait till he tells you where it is. So I transferred to East Carolina. Out east. <laughs> Go Pirates. <laughs> Go Pirates. <laughs> so my offensive coordinator at Duke actually took the head coaching job there. So I decided to follow him to East Carolina, um, try to exercise my, my sixth year there. Mm. Um, I didn't know how it would go, so it was a leap of faith. I'm moving from Durham to Greenville. Had no idea. I put my complete trust in God that whether I make this move and don't start, mm. you know, I know this is where you're leading me to go. And I was off of everyone's radar at this point. I wasn't a top quarterback anymore. I was just wanting to play football again because of the love of the sport. And, but I continued to trust God and remain faithful. And this year didn't go how I anticipated or I planned. But right now I'm actually training um, for the NFL, for the pro day at Duke and pro day at East Carolina. Um, I'm 12 pounds heavier and healthier than I ever have been. Mm. I'm running. I'm running full speed again. I'm making cuts without any question. And I didn't think, you know, for me that anybody would take a shot on me. My word for this year was actually breakthrough. So I was praying for a breakthrough. And I was struggling. After 2015, I'm talking to agents, you know, and getting ready for the NFL because that's my next step. And I finally signed with an agent this year that I trust and that God, you know, I think God put him right in my life. He's a faithful man, faithful agent. He's going to be great for me, and I'm just going to continue to train. And whether I make it to the NFL this year or not, that's always been my goal. I'm not going to quit. I'm going to keep going. I've made it this far. Your church loves you. You can tell that. Um, and some people here, I know I was not real familiar. When Thomas started walking me through what he's doing now, I wasn't familiar with this process. So if you put it all together, he's graduated he went to ECU for his final year. He's out of college, but now he's got an agent, and he's kind of training outside of college for a shot at the NFL. And, um, man, what would you, as we just kind of wrap up here, what would you say to the New Hope movement or people watching this on television or online, what would you say to them as they face setbacks and trials and sometimes God's timeline doesn't match up with ours, what would you say to us? I would say you'd have to continue to keep a mustard seed of faith, even if it's that big. And you have to continue to press forward and praise God because that's what I'm going to continue to do. And you know the song we sing, From the Ashes I Will Rise, here. And I know that's going to happen in my life, no matter if it's football or something else. I'm equipped for anything that comes now. You, my friend, are wise and mature beyond your years. Amen. To be able to see a dream and a passion that he's had since he was a child and be at this stage of life, to be able to say, I'm still going to go for it, but if I don't get it, if God says no, I'm going to praise him nonetheless. And God's going to use me every step along the way. That is the stuff of comeback. I'm amazed that you said your word this year was breakthrough. That sounds a lot like comeback. And uh, I just wanted you to be able to hear a real flesh and blood embodiment of comeback.
a testimony so that you could be encouraged and inspired wherever you are. Would you thank him one more time? And then I want to pray over him and over you. Thank him, church. Let's pray together. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. We thank you that you are a God of the comeback. God, as we talked about week one, we can read the Bible from start to finish and we see the way in which you took setbacks and you used them, Father God, as setups for your people to come back. And so, Father, as we wrap this series up and we move toward Vision Day and we move towards Engage, God, I want to pray, and I know I'm praying prayers that, that are coming from all the New Hope people today. Lord, we want to just pray for our brother Thomas. Father, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit upon him. God, we pray that you would continue to heal his body, that you would continue to heal his Achilles. Father, we pray that your will would be done. God, I selfishly pray that this brother would make it to the NFL and live out his childhood dream. But God, I thank you that he's mature enough to know that at the end of the day, he's going to trust you. He's going to trust you. He's going to lean in to that relationship that I've been talking about today. And he's going to praise you. And he's going to be gritty every step of the way. And so therefore, God, we know that his life will be used powerfully. Wherever he ends up, Father, you're going to bless Thomas and Danielle Sirk. You're going to use them, Father God, to advance your kingdom. And your will and your glory and your fame will be known throughout their lives and beyond. Father, I pray the same for our church today. God, I thank you for what you've done in this series. And I know that even as I have tried to teach your word and Thomas has tried to share his story today, God, we know that many people are right there in the midst of it. God, they want to throw in the towel. They want to take the easy way out. Father, would you infuse within every single person at every single campus and those who are watching online, would you infuse within them a steadfast spirit, a tenacious grittiness, Father God, that would enable them to lean into this relationship that would enable you, Father God, to do what you want to do in their lives. Father, that they would have the maturity and the wisdom to know that you are God and you know what is best for us. So, Father, I pray that their deepest desires of their hearts, that their passions and your purpose for their lives would intersect, Father God. That their lives would be characterized and defined as comeback stories in which we point people to your son, Jesus. We love you today, God. We love you because you first loved us. And we thank you that we get to respond in worship now. We thank you that we get to praise you. Some of us, Father God, with tears rolling down our faces. We will still lift our hands and we will still praise you in the good times and the bad. 
And we will never quit on what you have called us to. Thank you, Jesus, that you never quit. Thank you that when you hit the hard times of Gethsemane and when you were pressed like an olive in that garden, you didn't quit. You said, Father God, not my will, but yours be done. May we follow in that same gritty path. And may you get the glory and the honor and the praise. We pray it all in the name of Jesus Christ. And all of God's people at all of our campuses set together. Amen.